From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration from movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Well, today we're going to talk about something that has been an area of study for me and is a sensitive topic to a lot of people. Not something I've talked a ton about on the podcast. I've written some about it, but we're going to talk about money. And specifically, we're going to talk about greed, giving, and making money matter. And um, this is a little bit different of a format because I've got a lot to, to share on this. And then I do have a guest that I think you'll enjoy. But you know, what you convince yourself to be true about money will largely guide your relationship with money. And what you think about money will affect your ability to acquire it and to manage it properly. And there's there's lots of misconceptions and misconstrued ideas about money. Lots of them. And uh, including the delineation between greed and abundance, which is the first part that I really just wanted to talk about here because Webster's defines greed as a selfish and excessive desire for more of something, as in money, than is needed. A selfish and excessive desire for more of something, uh, such as money, than is needed. And I flat out disagree with Webster's. I think that is a inaccurate and harmful actual definition about greed. Because while greed certainly is related to selfish desire, okay, I think that is for sure. I don't buy into the concept that greed has anything to do with excess or that it has to do with more than is needed. And here's why. Because who is to define what is needed, right? Or how much exactly is excess? I mean, if, if you ask the average American, you say, hey, are you rich? Most of us would say, no, I'm not rich. Yet, according to the rest of the world, the large majority of the rest of the world, the average American is quite rich. We are rich, and we don't think of ourselves as rich because there's people who have more than us, but that's exactly the point. It's not a certain level at which point you have too much. Um, So I think greed, instead, has nothing to do really with how much of something you have. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about here, and you're going to hear from a guy who was broke, then became a uh, you know major millionaire, then went broke again, and then has you know earned it all back. And we're not going to talk too much in specifics about that, but you know it's a guy who has a lot of money and and he gives a lot, and he does it in a pretty cool way, and uh, he ties it to business. So I hope you enjoy. His name's Cole Hatter. He's got a pretty cool story, and we'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales, To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. 
This is one interesting dude. His name is Cole Hatter, and we've become fast friends, really. Um, I'm actually speaking at an event that he is putting on um, called Thrive Make Money Matter, which we'll talk a little bit about. But the more I've gotten to know about Cole, the more I've just been kind of fascinated with him. He used to be a firefighter, and then he became this millionaire investor. And he, uh, the thing that draws me the most to him is he seems to have this, this real deep-rooted passion about using business as a way to do good in the world and connecting business with philanthropy. Um, and, you know, he's an author and a speaker and, and uh, has a big online following and all of that. But it's, it's really that, that business philanthropy element that I was drawn to. And anyways, I just brought him on because I want to hear his story. And I think, I think you'll, you'll love it too. So Cole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is going to be great. So tell me a little bit like uh, about before we get into the business like philanthropy because I think you know people see you as like oh this millionaire guy investor like uh, you know does a, a money conference and you know helps people and all that stuff but tell me a little bit about the story like before you had money like how did you yeah. get to that place totally so um, I was a firefighter and you know I'll, I'll give you the ten thousand foot overview and we can go as deep into any area as you want but uh, in high school I did high school during the day and college at night my senior year to get all of my prerequisites done for my fire academy graduated high school and at night. 19 years old, went right into my academy and was a firefighter. And I had my whole life figured out, right? At 19, I knew everything that was going to happen forever. And then at 21, I actually got in a car accident myself where I was ejected out of the car on the freeway going about 80. I got super hurt. They had to shut the freeway down in both directions and life flight me in a helicopter to the hospital because they didn't think I'd survive and obviously survived. But um, I was in a wheelchair for a while. I had to learn how to walk again. I had a traumatic brain injury. And so uh, immediately following that accident, firefighting looked like it was out because I wasn't physically capable of even feeding myself, much less being a firefighter. And I had to move back in with my mom and dad. At, tw at 21 to literally be hand fed and cared for. And so it was in that season of in a wheelchair, figuring out what I would do next, that I got a lot of advice from like friends, parents, and distant relatives. That I should go back to school, get a degree and go get a job in the corporate setting. And although the corporate environment's a good fit for some, it wasn't ever what I wanted to do. So I said, well, uh, I need to figure out how to make money on my own while I heal so that someday if I'm physically capable, I can go back to firefighting. And so I'll just do something in the meantime, you know, entrepreneurial to pay my bills. And that was the birth of my entrepreneurial career. I actually first started in, in real estate and um, did well, then yeah, lost so it all and did well again. But yeah, but tell me about that journey. So, so you just went through like a lightning storm through a pretty challenging season. I mean, you're this, you know, young strapping guy, your whole future ahead of you. Then you're in a wheelchair living with your parents, you transition. And then, yeah. So tell me a little bit about real estate and then how you, how you made your transition in and out of that. Yeah. So again, and, and you're, and you are right. I'm, I'm trying to be as brief as possible, but yeah, that, that was a rough accident. And you know, what I didn't cover is that, uh, others didn't survive. And so I had, the the grief of of losing others and the guilt of being a survivor and so plus all the physical injuries and all that mess so i was in, in kind of a, a rough spot for for a while so i do want your audience to know it's not like i just bounced back like nothing happened it was a it was <laughs> it was the ugliest season of my life for about six months um and then i slowly started recovering and so in that recovery i i 
put a lot of emphasis and enthusiasm into real estate. It was 2005 at this point. The accident was in 2004. Uh, and so now spring 2005, I started a real estate business and I live in Southern California. And in 2005, it was exploding. My strategy was buy a house, count to 10 and sell it and double my money. And I thought I'd hit the lotto, man. My, I, I made my, asked my dad to be my business partner. And I remember talking to my dad and laughing with him one day. We had just closed a deal, probably made 50, 60 grand. And as a firefighter, I was making 42,000 a year. And I remember talking to my dad like, dude, why does anyone ever even get a job? That blows my mind. Why doesn't everyone just do this? Well, 2007 turned into 2008 and the recession happened, real estate collapsed. And I figured out pretty quickly that I was nothing special. I was just in the right place at the right time, made a killing in real estate and then watched it all go. And uh, wasn't quite as dramatic as like bankruptcies and foreclosures, but you know, I sold everything I owned in a fire sale to lower my overhead down to virtually nothing. And uh, you know, and it was cool. From 22 till 25, I was making great money. You know, multiple six figures a year. I even had a few six figure months every now and then. And so, uh, at in my early 20s, it was fun. But I did like most 20 year olds would, making that type of money. And I bought Escalades. I think I had, I think I'd bought three Escalades by my 25th birthday. Um, you know, rims, TVs, wakeboard boats, the whole thing. On it's just nuts. And in that season, from about 2008 to 2011, of just scraping by, barely making it. I looked back on that season of just, you know, oodles of cash and what I did with it. And now that it was gone, I had nothing to show for it. I had fun memories and great pictures, but there was no evidence and there, there was no, nothing that I did that actually mattered with, with that. And I said, huh, that's, a little bit disappointing that all of that wealth and success is just a, a conversation or a story to tell. And there's no, there's nothing left of it. And so came back, actually, there's a, there's a brief story. I moved to Mexico for seven months of 2010 and 11 and worked full time with a nonprofit. I completely turned my back on business and everything. And I was just a philanthropist. And, um, I saw what little bit of money I had left, how far it could go. I was in, I was in a very, very poor part of Mexico. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to America and I'm going to see how much money I can make, not to go buy crap again, but to see what I can make my money do. Because this is fun. Like having Ferraris and all that was great, but literally feeding a hungry child is better. And, you know, I've got an extra 20 bucks and I can feed a family, but what if I had an extra $200,000, I could feed the city. And so I became infatuated with the idea of doing well in business to do well for others. And so moved back to America in February of 2011, restarted my business in April of 2011, and have gone on to make millions of dollars. And this time I'm doing it differently. I'm, I'm still enjoying life. I'm, you know, recording this from my home, which is a beautiful home in Southern California. I have great cars and all of that, but that's not where I find my rewards in life. It's how I make my money matter. And, um, so those are the two seasons of business, made it all, spent it all, lost it all, came back, made 10 times more than I ever have. And now I'm actually doing things where heaven forbid, I lost all my money again tomorrow. There would be evidence of things that happened that mattered with, with what I did with the resources I had when I had them. And this is going to be a, I mean, this is, a, this is, I think it's such a great, you know, line is that Ferraris are great, but feeding kids is better. Um, <laughs> totally. I think that that is awesome. And anybody who's had any uh, any mature person who is not experiencing material goods for the first time, but has had them for a while, it seems like they quickly, or sometimes not so quickly, but they eventually come to this place where they realize the same thing you did, that, you know, you think that the house, the cars, the, the trips, the whatever, 
is going to bring you the fulfillment, but it's really not. Um, and so talk about to me, like, when do you feel like you really realize that? Was that coming? Was that in Mexico? Was that when you had the, the, the realization that that's not the stuff that really matters? Yes, it was in Mexico. It was actually, I remember the date. It was November 7th, 2010. That, ah, that it, yeah, 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 super specific. Well, because there was a lot that happened that day. But, you know, you just touched on something that, that I think is important to expand on because you just said something important. Sometimes people will tell me, well, Cole, it's easy for you to, to live like you live now because you have the money. Like, oh, you know, it's always the, the quote unquote rich people. They're like, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. But then anyone who doesn't have money is like, screw you, I need it. But I came to this realization in my brokest moments. So that's important to say that I had money, then I lost it all, and then I made it all back. And it's when I had none that I realized that I should be using my money to make a bigger difference in the world. So I know that cliche, money doesn't buy happiness, and only rich people say that because people who don't have money want it. But it's important at least to point out that I had the realization of what money should be used for when I had none of it. Not when I'm, oh, I'm so rich, you know, I'm Bill Gates, I'll just give it all away because I have so much. That wasn't me. It was when I was literally like starving in Mexico that I realized what money was for. So well, you just wanna, touched on that. And I want to, I want to, one thing that you said too, because I think, I, I think uh, there's uh, I write a fair bit about money and, and uh, you know, some of the misconceptions that people have about money, I think in terms of like, well, if you have money, you're evil. Um, and that, you know, money isn't everything, but you made an important distinction there where you said, well, you can, you can do a lot of good with $20, but you can do more potentially with 20,000 or with 200,000. So can you talk about that mindset a little bit? Yeah, totally. And so, you know, back to, back to being in Mexico, I sold everything I had and moved down there. And there was a lot to do with that. It was still some of the baggage I carried from losing uh, those in, in the, in the accents I was in. And I broke up with a girlfriend who at the time was just a girlfriend who's now my wife, by the way, I got her back. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so married her. But, but while we were dating, she actually broke up with me uh, because nothing I did wrong. She just knew I was struggling. I, I had emotional baggage still from, from the accents and everything else. So, so she broke up with me and said, go figure yourself out. And I moved to Mexico. I sold everything I had, which wasn't a lot and, uh, lived off of my savings and made it for seven months. And, you know, I had a Mexican roommate and he was a part of the nonprofit that I worked for and on staff, they would feed you, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was, it was included in, in being on staff. And there would be times where he and I were working with the homeless or, or doing whatever one of the projects was that the nonprofit was supposed to be doing. And we would get back to the base where the nonprofit was based after they had already served dinner. And I would, I would see his face and his expression just drop because he now knows he wasn't eating until tomorrow because being a next, a Mexican national, not having a job and working full time for the staff, he didn't have enough money to feed himself. And how I would just go to the local taco stand with him and two, three dollars feed him. And how just because I, I love this guy, his name is Walter. I still am very close to him. We've become lifelong friends, but how a few bucks could feed him. And then the same thing. I ended up accidentally starting an orphanage when I was down there, which I still have my orphanage to this day. And when I would go and visit the kids, we were taking care of 23 kids. I'd pull over at like a fruit stand and spend $40 and completely fill my car with fruits and veggies and show up and be able to give these kids fruit and vegetables that would last them a week off like $20. And another thing that we were doing, um, they play soccer down there where they call it football on cement. It's a little different than America, but they do like basketball court style, like indoor soccer with walls um, on, on a very much smaller um 
I don't want you to call it field, I guess, even though it's cement. And one of the things a nonprofit wanted to do was lay the cement to provide a safe place for the local kids who are too poor to be able to play soccer. And to lay that cement was like $1,200. And I went back to America and sold my goose down couches that I'd picked up at 23 because, you know, I needed those <laughs> that I left in a storage unit, brought that back down there and was able to fund that cement that to this day, thousands of kids get to play on every year in a safe environment that's on the campus of the space. And it's like, holy cow, like a few dollars can feed my roommate. 20 bucks can feed my orphans. A thousand dollars can provide a safe place for kids to play. Like this is freaking awesome. I want to go back to America so that I don't ever have to worry about money again. I'm going to kill it in business. And of course, I'm not going to live in poverty and be some martyr, but I'm going to make what I can do for others the point and not what I can do for myself. And I don't know that this is something that people just wake up one morning and decide. I was in it. Like I was watching my orphans starve. And so one of the things I, I encourage people to do if they want to see what it feels like to make their money matter is if you're contributing to like the Red Cross, continue to do so. Great organization. But writing a check and putting it in the mailbox or going online and donating, you don't get to see what your money's doing. There's no connection to it. So I'm not encouraging you to stop donating by any means, but I would encourage you to find another way to personally see how your money matters. An easy way for anybody listening to this in any city you live in. Go to the grocery store and buy some non-perishables and some toiletries for five people. I'm talking, you know, um, like uh, those little toothbrush, toothpaste, socks, deodorant, stuff like that, and then and some food. And put it in five different bags and go to where you know homeless people are and go give it to them. But instead of just handing it off and wishing them the best of luck, spend 10, 20, 30 minutes in conversation with them to get to know them and then give them that little bag you have prepared and see how now your money matters for others. And I promise you, you're going to start to get the bigger picture. And then it's just a matter of, okay, how much and how big can you do that? And, you know, there's, there's so much, so much information out there. Tony Robbins says the secret to living is giving. There's, there's no secret that some of the smartest, wealthiest people in the world are infatuated with giving back because it's literally a high or, or an emotional rush of caring for people, which I believe no matter who you are, it's in our DNA to want to care for others. And so that was a long answer to your question, but uh, that's, that's kind of the birth of it all was, was just seeing how a few dollars for me could make a massive impact for others. And you think so do you, how realistic do you think well well here's just more of an opinion question um you know there's 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 a there's a lot to be said it's a biblical concept of not you know that 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 giving giving when done in the right way is is often it's, it's really a private matter right it's not to 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 um it's not so much broadcasting to everybody like here's what I'm giving, but to experience in the way that you're talking about the value and the benefit of the gift of, of what that gift means to somebody and, and seeing the impact of that. So when you, when you move to the business conversation, do you think it is, it should be, this is really just an opinion. Like, do you think that it should be a part of a business to give or should it just be more of the individuals inside of that business that give because if a business is giving money and they're not broadcasting it publicly then it's like the business is spending money that people don't know about if they are broadcasting it then it's like it kind of you know isn't so much like in the way of giving what like what's your opinion on that do you think it's individuals that give or companies or both or 
So I have strong feelings on this, and it's interesting that you bring this up. This is actually one of the conversations Gary Vaynerchuk and I had on stage at Thrive last year. And here's my thoughts. Um, you know, you talked about biblical concept. You know, I, I respect everyone can have their own belief system. I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. It says, give with your right hand without your left hand knowing. And, you know, if you do things only to be seen by others, then it doesn't really count. You're just right. boasting, right? And so there's something to be said about that. And privately, my wife and I um, give and tithe and do what we do. Very privately, my own family members don't know what my wife and I do, and that is nothing I would ever broadcast for that reason. Not not just because I'm trying to get points with God, but because Sonia, my wife, Sonia and I aren't trying to um, publicly demonstrate with our own personal finances what giving looks like or tithing to be like, hey, look at us, we're perfect people. So I think that everyone should privately, quietly, regardless of religious context or belief systems, we shouldn't all just give as a gimmick to to be like, hey, look at me, I'm Santa Claus. We should just give because you should, because it's the right thing to do. And to just know, regardless if you believe in God or not, like you can call it karma or you can call it the universe. It will respond, right? That if you are being generous, it comes back to you, regardless if you believe that there's God or not. So so I want to just acknowledge that, that yes, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of privately giving. I do do that. And those are, I mean, I have, my wife and I, just so you know, have a three ring binder that we keep private in our in our bedroom and our closet of the different stories and the people who we impact. Nobody gets to see that, not even my own parents. So, so I believe in that, but let's talk about the business aspect. I'll use a great example of Tom's shoes. Blake Mikowski, he founded Tom's shoes. And if anyone hasn't heard of that company for every pair of shoes you sell, they give a pair of shoes away. It's in their business model. It's in their brand. Right. And so right. some could say, Oh, well look at him. You know, he's just doing it to be seen by others. No, 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 no. I don't see it like that at all. It's part of the business model and he's making a huge impact in the world while he's making money. Now, last year it was, it was said that he's worth personally over $300 million. What Blake, the founder of Tom's does with that 300 million is his own right. And what he generate, what he donates out of generosity, I would encourage him to keep that private. So the business of Tom's very publicly gives, but the proceeds that the founder gets, I would, if I were him very privately give, if that makes sense. And so I think to answer your question, yes, businesses should give. And there's so much consumer reports on this. I mean, there was a, there was a study done where over 80% of consumers said that they would stop buying their name brands like Nike and go and buy shoes like Tom's to know that there's some social cause or impact. 80% of consumers said that. And so if you can figure out a give element within your business model, there are statistics that say you'll do better in business and you get to be rewarded in knowing that when you have quarterly record breaking, you know, quarters, not only did you make more money than ever, you made a bigger impact. Now what you're paying yourself, whether it's salary or dividends or however you're compensating yourself, what you do with your resources, I think should be private. So the long answer is both. And don't just jump on the bandwagon of having a four purpose business as just some gimmick, like, Hey, everyone look at me. You know, if you buy a sweater, I'll give yarn away to kittens and or whatever, right? That's you. People will see through that. It's just very simple to have a business that creates a social impact as part of the business model publicly to set the example and the standard for everyone else around them. And then what you do with your own personal finances, I strongly believe you should keep private. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts around it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I definitely think people will see through it. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things I very much believe, uh, obviously, just because I'm a, I'm a believer and, and a, and a Bible reader and, and Jesus follower and all that, that, 
uh, believe very much in what it says. The bummer is that I think there's a there's a healthy component of talking about the power of giving and the importance of giving. And because a lot of the world's biggest givers do it so privately, I think people don't realize how much generosity there is in the world and how it is okay to give. And I kind of like this separation you're talking about here with the uh, company making the uh, the the social impact and uh, you know being very open about about that and Tom's is is certainly the 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 textbook case study if you will. Well, so um, while we're talking about the Bible, so is the church. You look at any church and they have their outreach projects where they are taking their congregation's tithes and they're adding it up and they're funding missions, they're funding initiatives, they're sending people to other countries, and the church is publicly saying, "Look where we're spending our money," not as a boastful or bragging way, but as a "This is what the church is for." And then the pastor isn't talking about what he or she are doing with their finances. I mean, this is literally an economic model that the churches follow. So if you are a member right. of any church, you know your church is spending its money in ways to, you know, they're feeding the hungry, they're feeding the homeless, they're, they're doing stuff with their finances publicly. But at the same time, the actual people running the church, the deacons, the bishops, the whatever it is, depending on the, the hierarchy of whatever church you participate in, they privately are, I would imagine, tithing and giving and doing things that matter too. So so it's no different than the churches. If anybody's struggling with with figuring that out, it's, hey, my, my church business model is we fund missions, and then as a pastor, yeah, I do stuff too privately. And my business publicly gives back in these ways, and yeah, I privately as the CEO give privately. And so it's, it's not that complicated. Um, you just got to know to separate the two. So talk to me really quick about Thrive. Why did you create Th- Thrive? What is it? How do people you know, connect with you on it? Thrive is exactly what we've been talking about on this call. It's getting people like some of the best thought leaders and some of the best business entrepreneurs, CEO, execs, whatever, together for three days to teach the audience how to freaking kill it in business. To the actual tangible, my mentor, Than Merrill, is going to be there, and he's going to teach how to scale a business, how to go from being a solopreneur to hiring people for the first time and what top grading looks like. So from, from the success principle standpoint to the actual tangible do this, this, and this, showing our audience how to freaking kill it in business today while having the whole conversation being around what you and I have talked about. Hey, listen, now that we're showing you how to make millions of dollars, don't just go be some, uh, capitalist consumer, go out there and be a philanthropic entrepreneur in your own way, whatever that looks like for you. I I certainly wouldn't assume to tell people what to do with their money, but I will very proudly say that if you make your money matter, which is a theme of Thrive, you'll find more reward personally, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally than anything else you could spend your money on. And so for three days, we're going to get together in October in San Diego and uh, we have 23 speakers now. So it's going to be awesome. All one stage, no breakouts. So everyone gets to see everyone talk. And it's just going to be three days of of powerful content and uh, really teaching the entrepreneurs of today what the consumers are asking for. Hey, I I honestly believe that fast forward 10, 15 years, consumers aren't going to tolerate people who just make money for money's sake anymore. It's there's more and more of these Toms popping up everywhere. And eventually, you know, I'm a millennial and, and even the generation after me, whatever they're called are almost becoming intolerant of people like, 
you know, I'm going to use Nike. They're a great organization. Nothing wrong with Nike, and they're generous. They donate. But uh, just a business model that's just out there to make money, they're not going to tolerate it anymore. And those companies are either going to have to adapt or go out of business like Blockbuster did when they didn't adapt like Netflix did. And so this is just, if you want to get off the philanthropic topic and just talk about how to su- succeed and stay in business, this is an important conversation to be around. So that essentially is what Thrive is. And, and you said, how can people hear about it? Just go to attendthrive.com. And oh yeah, websites attendthrive.com. It's in San Diego this October. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And in uh, congruent alignment with what we're talking about, the proceeds of the Thrive event go to support Pencils of Promise. And yeah, Adam Braun is the founder of Pencils of Promise. He's a good friend of mine. And so to put my put my money literally where my mouth is, uh, the the event of Thrive is is exactly what we've been talking about. You know, I'm, no speakers are selling anything. It's not some big pitch fest where I go off and make a million bucks. Um, you know, it's it's just heavy content. And, and like you said, the proceeds go to Pencils of Promise, which uh, is an organization that builds schools for children in third world countries who have no access to education. So it's a great cause. Um, you know, I know the, the company well and, uh, or the company, I know the nonprofit well, and, um, they're, they're a great, they're a great cause. And so I'm happy to support them. So I have one, one last question for you and we're running out of time here, but, um, I will put a link to attendthrive.com and all of that in the, uh, in the show notes and, uh, you can check that out. But on the topic of giving Mr. Cole, what is the most generous gift that somebody has ever given you? Not your, not your wife. Um, what do you think is the most generous gift? And not your parents, but somebody uh, where they have just undeservedly or just for whatever reason, somebody gave you time or money or something. Uh, and I, I, I didn't prepare you for this, so you, yeah. you're on the spot. Well, it's funny that you just, so first I was going to say my wife giving me my daughters and you, you killed that one. <laughs> then I was going to talk about some of the belief systems that my parents gave me and you killed that one too. So, uh, moving down. So it sounds like something tangible, something that someone's actually given me. Um, okay. So or maybe not the most, just one, because I, you don't have a lot of time to prepare. So just give yeah, me no, one. No, no, no. I've, I've got it. Uh, so if, if we're talking about straight up monetary, um, I said I sold everything I had to go to Mexico, but it still wasn't enough. And Mexico, we didn't have time to dive deep into it, but it's where my whole life changed. I went down there, one person, I came back an entirely different human being. And a couple, a husband, wife, who were kind of extended friends, uh, saw where I was and why I needed to be there. And one day took me out to Starbucks and wrote a check that completely covered the duration of my time in Mexico. Unsolicited. They just felt it on their hearts, called me. I I met them in San Diego. They drove from Orange County down to San Diego. So I came back across the border. They met me there and said, Cole, we know, we just know you need to be where you are. And we want to fund the rest of you being down there. Because what's interesting about being on staff at a nonprofit, you actually have to pay to work there, which is the exact opposite of everything else. I pay staff fees to then work for them 40 hours a week. And uh, those aren't cheap. And so I think that that was one of the best gifts someone has ever given me. It was when I was the brokest of my adult life I'd ever been. And it let me stay in the environment that completely crafted who I am today. And if they didn't feel called to do that and then follow through and write that check, who knows, my time in Mexico would have been cut short financially. And I don't know that I would have gotten the perspective or the impact that Mexico had on my life. And so I think that that's probably just off the cuff, one of the greatest gifts anyone's ever given me. Wow. I love that. What a great example of multiplying impact. Um, 
and uh, making a difference. Well, Cole Hatter is his name. Make Money Matter is the message. AttendThrive.com is the site where you can come see Cole and hang out uh, together if you're interested in San Diego. This uh, uh, It's October 2016 is when the event's coming up. And Cole, we just, um, I just appreciate you, man, and, and keep preaching and keep uh, – Helping, helping rich people be more generous and helping uh, people who are not rich yet to become rich so they can be more generous. I, I love it. Right on. I like how that sounds. What a cool and unique story I think that Cole has. And, you know, it's it's tricky with money because I think it's one of those things where it's like we should give, um, but you don't hear people talking about giving a lot because, you know, you know, at least the Bible instructs us that you should sort of do that privately. And so there's not a lot of conversation about it. And then, um, it's one of those things that I think wealthy families talk a lot about money around the dinner table and at family gatherings. And, and it's a part of like what they discuss is doing business and buying businesses and investing. But in families that have less money, they, they have less financial education and it's naturally less a, a, a topic of conversation other than maybe complaining about bills and stuff. But in terms of how you make money and manage money is, is, is less frequent of a conversation and certainly less talk about giving because, you know, at least in, in my life, I can tell you that I really struggled with giving for a long time. I mean, at least when I was first starting out as a professional and, and I think a lot of it wasn't because I didn't want to give it. it a lot of times was more, I felt like I, I didn't have enough to give and I didn't, it took me a, a long time to learn and realize that actually giving isn't about, you know, how much you have or don't have. But I think it is giving as a demonstration of your power over money. It is when it's one example of how you're letting go of your emotional attachment to money. You're trusting this money to, to go to good work. Or, you know, if you're a person of faith, you're trusting God by giving it, you know, back to him. Um, and trusting that you're, you will still be provided for is that, that Matthew verse that I shared earlier. Um, but even if you're not a believer, I think, um, we struggle with the idea of giving. Cause like, I don't have enough cause there's all these things that I want, but, one of the things about wealthy people is they seem to realize that actually giving is a part of acquiring. Like the, the sooner you develop the ability to give, the, the sooner you develop the kind of emotional detachment from money that is the prerequisite attitude for acquiring lots of money because you start to see it as a tool and less of this sort of like, you know, deep thing for survival. And so I think that's sort of an interesting and, we did a we did a study right at Southwestern Consulting in the the Center for the Study of Self Discipline actually we which is a, a, a you know formal entity that we have that we've used to conduct certain studies, um, and one of our studies found that seventy percent of people admit to giving less than ten percent of their income. Uh, there were thirty five hundred people that were uh, in the survey, so seventy percent of people admit to giving less than ten percent. It was an anonymous survey, but. Um, it kind of leaves you wondering, like, why do we have such a hard time giving? And certainly there's that that piece of feeling like I don't have enough. But really, that's that's more of a, a faith issue, right? It's it's feeling like, well, if I give what I have, then who's going to take care of me? And that's a that's a real a real faith, a faith issue. And people who give abundantly, they don't give out of extraordinary excess. And they don't give out of an expectation of receiving something in return. And they don't give out of obligation. The most generous givers simply give out of thankfulness 
for every single thing that's been given to them. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that really helps us out. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.